The Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast is brought to you by the Advent Children Calendar. For 24 days before Christmas, you and your loved ones get to play the fun game of picking out which skinny Sephiroth-flavored twink you get to enjoy that day. Sephiroth-y twinks are machine-washable, non-refundable, offer not guaranteed in red states. Good evening! Welcome to the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast, the official podcast of the Final Fantasy Wiki. It's a self-descriptive podcast. And uh, it's December. Hi. 2023 is ending. And with it ends, I don't, nothing really in particular. I guess it's just 2024. It's a year that it was unimaginable two years ago, but now it's here and it's coming. And uh, rent's also due, so make sure you pay your rent. Uh, joining me tonight are, um, you know, the guys. Hi. So, yep. We're the guys. We are the guys. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm your host, Blue Highwind. I, I just assume that everyone knows this at this point. But, uh, <laughs> and, and the guys are Some Color Mage and Techno Obliterator. Hello. They're, yep, that's hi. one way to support us. Yeah, there are the fellas. The bros, the brewskis, jabronis, I don't know. The party. The mandems. Yeah, it's like uh, we're a, a late 90s square RPG, so there's only three of us. Yep. Yeah. Only three. Only three per party. Sometimes four. Sometimes we're an early 90s square RPG. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes we even swap out a little bit. Yes. You know. We're this, we have the swap out mechanic from FF10. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes my computer dies, and then we have to start the podcast on a brand new PC brought to me by the Hanukkah Penguin. Thank you, Hanukkah Woo! Penguin. Let's go. Yay. He's totally Let's real. Lives in the South Pole. He brings presents to good bo- Jewish boys and girls for eight days. Though... Honestly, he usually brings one good present, and then the rest are kind of junk. Oh. Yeah. Especially if you are a Jewish family that also celebrates Christmas, and uh, the good Jewish boy's birthday was like a month after that, is in January. So, you know, Hanukkah really gets the short stick in that case. Penguin doesn't seem too fond of triple dipping. No. I, I mean, the Penguin has a budget. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys want to talk about? I mean, what what's on your mind? Well, there's been quite a lot of news this month, hasn't there? Like, quite a lot. Specifically for Final Fantasy VII fans. There's also been... Okay, uh, I'll, I'm going to be completely honest. I have been awful this month because I've been so busy on Spider-Man stuff that I have completely neglected any of the Final Fantasy news aside from the fact that FF7 got a bunch of... We, we learned a bunch of things about this game, all of which I'm massively excited about. So, okay. can we start with the non-FF7 news first, I guess? Um, okay. Um, let me check my notes that I kept for the entire month of things. 
Uh, first of all, yeah, and uh, we get FF seven for when we get to it. We'll save Final Fantasy seven for a bit later. We can do the other things. Yes, we will. Okay, so first bit of news: a gentleman by the name of Yasuni Matsuno, also known as Yezmat, a fifty million HP dragon that lives in the Nidorina Cataract, something like that. I don't think I'm saying that name right. The, what's, what was it called? The something cataract. Where is Yaze Matt? Uh, the Ridorana cataract. He's a 50 million HP super boss. Uh, he's also a human being, and he announced on X.com, formerly Twitter.com, though we're never ever going to call it X.com, uh, that there is no plans yeah, to remaster not. Final Fantasy Tactics that he knows of. He said, I mean, even if there was, uh, you know, he doesn't work for Square anymore, aside from being brought on to commission certain work, so he wouldn't be privy to most of Square uh, Square Enix's uh, private uh, private plans anymore. Yeah, his um, he said, please, basically, please send your request to Square Enix, not me, like not my job. Also, uh, yeah, Matt he can't do anything with it. This is very important, but Matsuno's uh, like icon on Twitter is him holding up two Sapporo beers next to his head, which is yeah, though, like that's something you know he's not gonna say that, and that doesn't change my opinion, which is that a tactics remaster or remake or whatever it is is inevitable. Like, this game has only gotten more love over the years as time has gone by. And it's been rumored for quite a good amount of time. I think it exists. I think they're taking their time with it. And I think my man doesn't know anything about it. And even if he did, it's not his place to say. I think he would, I think he would know. If Square Next was doing it, there'd be somebody at the company who would be, like, talking to him on discord or slack or whatever thing he, he would get a call yeah but yeah but he might not like you know he might not know a huge huge amount about it and more importantly it's if he did he wouldn't be able to tell us you know ndas yeah he wouldn't if square next has not announced it he's probably not able to announce anything um this is like the one thing that came out of that leak from all those years ago that hasn't come to pass. I think it was that and maybe a Final Fantasy IX remaster was on that list. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it does make all the sense of the world to remake Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, maybe Square Enix has even remastered it years ago and they're doing like a Nintendo thing where it's on like their backlog. When they have like a slow yeah. month, it's like, oh, here's Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, but it's also like, you know, the amount of games that have come out that are advertised as this is the spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics. There's no way we're not going to get it. Like, you know, at some point, and I don't know what form that's going to take, but, you know, Tactics is a game that as the second a remaster comes out, I'm going to try it because it's a game that I've always known I should in theory like. I just suck at it. So I hope that a remaster with the right quality of life changes could make it one of my favorite games. In fact, I'm sure that's gonna happen. Um, is Final Fantasy Tactics on Steam, by the way? Yes, uh, but it's on it Steam. It is not. I've just checked. Oh, it's not. Yeah, amazingly, it's not on. I don't. I don't know yeah, how it's the, not on uh, Steam I, yet. 
Yeah, the I remake is just uh, PSP, Android, and iOS. Amazing. I could have sworn it was on Steam. It's amazing they okay, have I'm it. I'm sorry, viewers. I just gave you a bunch of misinformation. I'm really sorry about that. I could have sworn it was on there. It's amazing they haven't like just ported like the iOS version onto Steam because they they yeah, did that. They did they that half ass shit sometimes for like Final Fantasy VI, yeah, right? They, they do that a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they did before they had the pixel remasters of everything, and now and the pixel remasters are more like properly designed in a way where it's actually for that system as opposed to a half-assed port. So maybe if they do port Tactics, they want to do it right. But I will say. Tactics is the kind of game you would think would be really good on an iPad. It would be really good on a PlayStation Portable. I can report that much. Oh, it, it was great on a PlayStation Portable. How far did you get in Tactics, by the way? I got up to the Chocobo bit where the it was... Um, Fuck. What was, was this? I, a, don't, I don't remember the details. Was this the execution place? I just did. No, I remember now. I killed Fat Man. I killed okay. uh, the the fat guy. Yes. I don't remember his name. Uh, do, uh, and um, then I got, Bishop. I got stuck after that. Bishop. Yes, Bishop. Bishop something. He's got like a French name. Yeah. And then Cardinal I got stuck Devereux, I think his name is something like that. Yeah, I got stuck after that. Ah, here we are. Uh, Cardinal Delacroix is his name. There you are. Mm. His name might have changed between translations. Memory serves. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. That's if you got past him, you've actually gotten past like the hardest part of the game. The only difficult part is the weed oh. fight at the end of chapter three, which can be cheesed if you go and use Rams as. Uh, special like power boost ability and then just run away and maybe, do boosts until you overpower him maybe i do need to go back and try it again then i didn't know that the game just gets a lot easier as it goes on like early mm. early game it's can be really tough because you know you're also kind of limited in how far you can grind before the uh, random encounter algorithm just starts spawning extremely hard fights at you yeah, that's the real yes. problem. But you can you can just run away. From was that me? Yeah, that was you. What, what noise was that? I don't know because I don't know. I didn't hear any noise. Sound like you burped or something. Oh, the other thing about Final Fantasy Tactics is that Remap Radio, one of my favorite video game podcasts, they did a deep dive episode on Tactics. Unfortunately, only Kaido there played it, so they didn't have the best conversation. Uh, I did. Mm. I sent in a question which they read on the air. That's cool. Yeah. I emailed them saying, do you need any help with this? But they have no idea who I am, and I assume did not read mm. the email. So, you know, I shot uh, my shot. It's worth, worth trying. But if you are listening, Remap Radio, and you need a Final Fantasy expert on any of your Final Fantasy deep dive podcasts, please call me at www.bluehighwind.com. Mm. That's not the correct URL at all. That's not the correct URL. It's like bluehyman.blogspot. Yeah, and, and that might not be it. Either. And you can't call a website, of course. You call. That's true. You can call me at one eight hundred Blue Highwind. 
no, you can't. <laughs> There's no way that's a real phone. It probably certainly is not, no. Maybe it's too many numbers, so it's like 1-800-HIGHWIND possibly could work? <laughs> no, that might, no, that's still too many, because it's eight characters. HIGHWIND without the second H. Maybe that'll work. So the next bit of news is uh, Kajia Productions. There was an interview of that that came out on GameDeveloper.com. Uh, this is the new company that was started by Alexander O. Smith and Joseph Reeder, uh, formerly Square Next localizers, now freelancers. So uh, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of bits about uh, what's going on with this company. And mostly the most interesting stuff is like their previous adventures working in Square Next. Like both these guys started in the late 90s when Square Next localization was just a like clown show that no one seemed to care about. And eventually they were able to professionalize it and make it, like, a serious thing. And these guys will go on to be a lot of the reason why Final Fantasy XII is so great, honestly. Uh, oh, yeah. One fun... Feel like... Yeah, what? Okay. Uh, so, I feel like with twelve, and I didn't play sixteen, but I got this impression from sixteen as well. I feel like they were almost made western first if that makes sense like they were almost made like english as the first language and then japanese came second because it felt like that was so much their aesthetic with that one well that uh, was so, so 16 uh, that was uh, the case for 16 that, uh, no 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 what that, happened with yeah. 16 the original script was japanese then koji fox translated it and then they adjusted lines in Japanese to match the line timings of the English because they, uh, gotcha. they didn't lip-sync any ling language other than English. Okay. That makes a huge amount of sense, right? But with 12, you know, 12 has... I think 12... I, I don't know about 16, but 12 definitely has the best voice casting. Voice... Well, I guess it's best voice casting, but best voice acting in the series by far like 12's voice cast is just brilliant like the way every line is delivered and the way every line is it's just it's just phenomenal with 12 the english voice acting you know and as much as like you know seven remake is the other one where i think every like every main voice actor is absolutely incredible the side characters, maybe not so much, but the, the main cast is just phenomenal. And then a lot of the other voice acting is quite hit and miss. But 12s is the one that stands out to me as, you know, I you don't get any impression. Like with 10, for example, there's certain, there's certain lines where you can tell they delivered it like super, super fast because they had to because they were going against the Japanese one. And I didn't get that impression with any line from 12, unless I'm misremembering. Well, the thing, right. I do have well. some details about 12's translation. Uh, okay. All right. So I, I didn't find anything about, like, mouth flaps or anything like that. But we did find out why 12's uh, voice sounds so bizarre and compressed, which is that... Uh, this, is, uh, this is not Alexander Smith. This is Joseph Reeder who says this. Uh, quote... Uh, we did remote recording through an ISDN line connected to London. Uh, just, this is me adding in the notes that most of the voice actors were London, like theater actors, like Shakespearean trained actors, which is why the game has. That makes so there. much sense. Yeah. 
But, uh, so, quote is, uh, an ISDN line connected to London while we were in the studio in L.A. So, they were recording <laughs> in L. They The actors were in London. They were recording in L.A. with all the stuff done in Japan. Which is why, I guess that explains why the sound quality is not 100% perfect, but it's still amazing how well it all comes out, considering that. Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. I mean, this the sound quality is whatever, but the actual voice acting itself is is amazing oh uh, one other thing and when i was talking about how like slapdash everything was uh, this is them mentioning that originally for final fantasy 8 uh literally for on final fantasy 8 we were playing our own game and hacking it with the game sharks for the translation it was yeah, very sad one <laughs> yeah they've told that story before that's um... amazing that's it. That's and impressive. It still resulted eight... in a better translation than what Seven got. Yeah, it was no, because Eight was the first translation that I feel like was actually like a good translation, not the best. You know, it wasn't as good as like, you know, not even as good as Nines turned out to be or Tens. But Eight is a huge, huge step up from Seven, for example. Is that the first Faraga game in the West? Yes, eight is when they first uh, translated the uh, spells uh, close to literally. Okay. Yeah. They uh, like they still like drop a couple syllables in English that don't sound correct in that that don't sound correct, but they keep the same structure as they have in Japan. I have one other very important thing in this interview that I thought was important that the world hear, as much as I can send it out to the world, is this Alexander Smith quote, whenever they had a recording, I would rehearse the part for the Japanese singers. The other thing I did is vocals for Otherworld. First of all, I rapped that section, and then the singer said it over my voice. You can actually hear both of our voices in the rap, which is amazing. Interesting. So when you play Final Fantasy X, at least the original one, I don't know about the remastered one. Maybe they use the same audio in the remastered, but Alexander Smith is there rapping along with everything else. Well, at least it sounds the same to me, but I think X remastered soundtrack, I'm actually more familiar with that than X OG soundtrack. I know everyone hates me for that, but (laughs) I played the HD remaster first, and that song doesn't sound different in any way. Uh, yeah, did they even redo Otherworld? I thought they just, like... I don't know. I yeah. don't think they did. It, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. I just I just felt like I should go throw in that little, uh, you know, citation needed note, because I don't know. All, all I know is that uh, the battle theme in Final Fantasy X Remastered sounds like crap. They completely messed it up. Yeah, that that one does... I I, I, I agree with that one. And, you know, it's not a small thing, either. It's the main battle theme. You hear it 7,000 times. <laughs> okay. Uh, next thing, uh, Final Fantasy 16 DLC. Right. Did anyone play the DLC that they shadow-dropped at the Game Awards? Yeah, yeah. And what did you think? Um, I think it's something that will not convince anyone either way on the game because it's, it's basically just one long extra dungeon. Yes. Wait, but but I thought Gilgamesh is in it. No. 
No, this is... No? Uh, Am I making that up? He might be in the next... Yes, you're making there's, it up. There's two batches there's of DLC. There's DLCs Omega, the other one's Leviathan. I could have sworn I've seen a battle involving Gilgamesh that made me want to play... Oh, no, was maybe that Shadow... Was that Shadow of the Hedgehog? What? Wait, Shadow of the Hedgehog? The Stranger of Paradise. Okay. Yes, you're thinking of Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> Shadow of the Hedgehog. <laughs> Where the where the three DLCs were the first one's Bahamut, the second one's Gilgamesh, and the third one is Omega and Mateus. We have to call gotcha. it that from now on. It's it's Stranger Paradise Shadow of the Hedgehog. <laughs> okay, so yeah, okay, there's no. there's two Final Fantasy sixteen DLCs, Echoes of the Fallen, Shadow Dropped, the night of uh the yep. game awards. Then the Rising Tide is coming out sometime in twenty twenty four. Echoes of the Fallen just looks like a like post-game dungeon with a super boss, which I don't know about anyone else, but I feel like that should just come standard on an RPG. There should always be post-game content. I don't think you should charge people for that. But, you know, you're, you're, it's your dollar, so you have whatever you want. And the Rising Tide is actually a whole new land outside of the land of Valisteia. It is Valisteia, right? I'm not... Yeah, yeah Valisteia. Where you and your party go and finally get to fight uh, Leviathan, who is mentioned in Final Fantasy XVI, but never actually appears. Yeah. And, like, the... You know, while, yeah, questions about whether or not this should be paid DLC aside, the Omega fight is pretty damn good. Um, the, uh, the dungeon... It's a very long dungeon. It gives you a lot of items, including some, some stuff... It's, of course, almost all accessories. It's, you know, they're interesting, but also, like, it doesn't really help diversity of build because you can only equip one, one of these accessories at any time, and you still only got the total of three slots, so... Um, it does let you do some interesting things. Like, there's an accessory that allows you to see the timing for parries. There's uh, one that... Uh, essentially allows you to use limit break as a phoenix down like it will automatically trigger if it can and you're about to die there's some interesting things there but it's not particularly substantial overall and also omega's theme is just another redo of of his theme for 14 because token is a meme fuck <laughs> okay I didn't oh, know. Oh, Omega, was it? That yeah, was the Omega, one. I was yeah. Or Omega, yeah. as you might say over there, I think. No, no? I don't think so. No, okay. I've, I've only said it Omega. Okay, I, I just know that British pronunciations are bizarre. It's like, I, oh, I, they are. Absolutely. Some, some people, I think, do say that. Okay. Uh, I am going to say about this DLC, I did not play it because. I mean, I didn't really have time to play it, but also, um, if Final Fantasy 16 is going to win me over, I don't think it's going to do that just by being more Final Fantasy 16. I was hoping for a more dramatic shakeup of what was already on the table. Uh, I was really hoping it would be more like the Final Fantasy 15 DLCs, where, you know, they did dramatically different things with the game, and 16 was already not enough games stretched too long. So, but uh, you have to remember with that, 
that they didn't start doing dramatically different things with the game until later on with the 15th DLC. So, like, the first 15 DLC, the Gladio dis- DLC, I was so disappointed in it. Because oh, yeah, that, that was, like, was... an hour long, right? That sucked. It was about an hour long. You play, quote-unquote, Gilgamesh, which is not... He's nothing like Gilgamesh, right? And you played as... he was Like, Gladio was my favorite one. And he was alongside a character I kind of liked, who I don't even remember his name anymore, because that's how forgettable the DLC was. It was so disappointing. And then after that, you have the Prompto DLC, which is the Metal Gear Solid-esque DLC. And that one was a lot more interesting. Then after that, you had the one for... Uh, what's his name? Ignis? Yeah, Ignis. That, that was really good. Was that the shooter one? I know one of them's like a shooter. Um, no, the Prompto one. one. Oh, okay. The Prompto one was the shooter one. Then you have the Ignis one. And the Ignis one, that was actually really, really solid. And then you had the Arden one. And that was by far the best one. So maybe 16's DLCs will start to get better as they go along. That well, was right. Well, the... The Leviathan DLC is definitely promising to be more, uh, uh, more uh, substantial because the because uh, the price of the DLC Twin Pack is more than double the price of the Omega <laughs> DLC standalone. So, yeah, I yeah, might, um, I might watch this on YouTube. I don't think I'm gonna play either one of these. Yeah, I think that um, when the time comes, when I play 16, it'll probably be when all the DLC is out, and maybe I'll be able to judge it fairly. And they'll probably be both included with the PC version when that comes out. And it'll hmm. be 250 gigabytes. Probably. probably not. I think it probably would be, actually, yeah, right? How much? How much is uh, Final Fantasy 16 standalone download on PlayStation 5 right now? It's about uh, seventy dollars. Well, it fits on um, it fits on one disc, so it's less than a hundred. But is it actually on the disc, or are you actually downloading it off the disc? Because let's see, let's I'm see what the download sure the, size is. Pretty sure the entire base game is on the disc. Uh, it's ninety gigabytes. Is how big it is. Because I I remember Final Fantasy fifteen PC version was like hundred fifty gigabytes, wasn't it? It was like some ridiculous size. Uh, it, it, all right, it said you need at least 100 gigabytes. And that was back in like 2018 when games usually weren't that enormous. That was like, like what, 100 gigabytes? That's insane. But uh, uh, 99.51. Yeah, now uh, now that's just how big games are. You, you buy a PlayStation 5 and you can fit three games on it. Like, we already know that uh, 7 Rebirth is more than 100 because it's a multi-disc game on the PS5. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's going to be huge. Where do you think that disc, where do you think disc 2 is going to... Well, you have to change discs. Do you think that it's going to end with Aerith getting killed and then you have to change the discs again? <laughs> no, there's going to be... No, PS... Uh, not going to be a PlayStation game. and uh, Xbox these days, uh, you don't actually play the game off the disc. You have to... Uh, copy the whole thing onto the console they're just installation discs yeah that's right uh, I hate it I, I miss media when it was media remember oh. that scene in Metal Gear Solid 4 where you go to you're in Shadow Moses and Arsipan's oh. like yo change your disc 
And then Snake's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, oh, just kidding, we're on PS3, no disc change. Yeah, they, they do that they a lot of Metal Gear Solid 4. The, the entire... They uh... need to do that. They need to do that in 7 Rebirth. Like, you yeah. know, you should get to a... You need to get to uh, after Meteor Falls, right? We need to get to that point. And then... Well, that's that's and then going to Cloud be... Uh, is that's like, not going to be until the third game. Well, we need to get to that point. And then Cloud said, one of the things we learned as soldiers, when we reach this point, we have to change the disc. And then Barra's like, what the fuck are you on about, Cloud? There's no disc. And Cloud's like, just kidding. Things have changed since I was in Soldier. Or some some stupid shit like that. They need to put that in, man. It's a shame that Final Fantasy VII Original didn't like have a rumble pack thing. So you can't really do the whole thing in Metal Gear Solid 4 where... Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh my god. Psychomantis. Thank you, Psychomantis. It's like, wait. No rumble pack. No... What the... No memory card! And then he can't actually yep. do any of the shit that he does. And then he just I dies. He gets, he gets so happy if you're playing with a DualShock 3 instead of a 6 Axis. Oh, I didn't play with... Yep. I played with... When I... Vibration is back! <laughs> when I played... um, Yeah, when I played Malgus on Solid 1 recently, it's the first time I've ever played it and passed the torture scene. Like, oh, before... Oh, yeah. I was never able to pass the torture scene, so either Meryl would die, or I'd have to go to my cousin and beg him to do the torture scene for me, because he could always do it, and I could never do it. And this is the first time I've ever done it, where I passed the torture scene, and I was so proud of myself. You know, that I have that same problem with Chrono Trigger. There's a button mashing sequence in the uh, oh, history. Yeah. There's a part where you got to button mash really, really hard to drink like red stuff, and button mashing is impossible on a Nintendo DS. The buttons oh, are so the buttons are so thin. Fun. It's yeah, it's awful. I, I had to get I like my I had to get like my stepbrother to do it for me. Uh, but oh, uh, for Metal Gear Solid One, I was able to get through the Meryl sequence. Guess how I was able to do it? Nice. No, but guess how I did it? Because I I can't button. Oh, go on. Suck it. Um. Did you? Oh, you used the um. Uh, Ocelot's like, don't even think about using this. Wow, no. And you used that, and he didn't find out about it. No, I used... That's actually uh, bullshit. I used a spoon and used it to go and hit the button really, really fast. You just run oh, the spoon back one. and forth. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Okay. I think we've covered everything with 16, unless we have more thoughts yeah. on that. We should probably talk about the Game Awards. Right. Yeah, so... The Game Awards have never really been all that. This was the least bad Game Awards I've watched. I did not watch the Game Awards. I I watched big, it. I got the big clips the next day. Uh, so here's the thing. There's been some controversy about the Game Awards, which was that they said that they didn't allow the people accepting the awards enough time to speak on it. And look, I'm not going to disrespect the developers on that. And, you know, I completely understand the perspective that they should have been given more time to speak. But with that said, there was, like, I wouldn't consider that part fluff before I say what I'm about to say. There was so much less bluff in this and so much more stuff that we actually came for, right? You know, 
They got on with things like the trailers. They didn't waste... There, there were some stupid-ass celebrity cameos, but the cameos all felt like they were related to gaming on this one. Like, okay, Anthony Mackie comes in, and everyone's like, oh, this guy's a gangster? His real name's Clarence. And it was like, everyone knows Anthony what? Mackie. It's really it's Clarence? No, it's in 8 Mile. It's the scene in 8 Mile where Anthony Mackie gets schooled by Eminem. Oh, um, you know what? I have not seen that, and I was thinking of his uh, character in that. Uh, he was just in a video game TV. Uh, he was in. Yes, yes, exactly. He's in. Uh, oh, he's in Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. Twisted Thank Metal. You. Yeah, he's in Twisted Metal. So his cameo it makes sense, right? It makes sense that Anthony Mackie is up there. You know, you don't just have people who are like, "Oh, it's a famous guy that happens to be into games. Let's put him on. Like, let's put on fucking Dwayne Johnson, even if he has not fuck all to do with what's going on." Was it Timothy Chalamet just, oh, there? Just like because he, yeah, he was, and that's like whatever. He was good in Wonka. Um, whatever. He's, he's great Timothy. in Lives in P- Lives of P. God, I bluff that completely. He's really good in Lives of P. Uh, ah. What is with that game? Lies I can't say. P. Lies of P. I like him in Lies of P. Oh, so he is in a game. No, okay. he's not. He it's... just looks. He just looks exactly like him. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, right. I'll show you. Um, I'll show you. Lies of P. Pinocchio looks exactly like freaking Timothy Chalamet. Right. Here, right. Here I thought but... I was being helpful, but I was just setting you up for a bit. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, it's like, you know, all the trailers were actually exciting trailers for once. And I think part of that is because E3 is, it, it's officially dead. We have officially learned that E3 is not coming back. Um, so I think they actually saved their trailers for this, this time. But um, no, this is the first Game Awards I watched where I didn't feel like I just wasted three hours of my life. I felt like I was genuinely entertained. You know, I enjoyed the trailers that had shown up right and i feel for the developers who didn't get enough time to make their speeches but at the same time i feel like they're actually starting to listen to the feedback on it for once and make it a better show and i never got that impression before i got the impression that they were content with the show being extremely mediocre because they're like oh well, look at these viewership numbers we must be doing something right but I got the sense they're actually improving it. Like, uh, did you feel that way, SCM, or is it just me? Um, uh, I mean, like, I guess there was more that interested me, but like the, like the real problem wasn't really that uh, you know the the base speech time was short. It's that we know from stuff they talk about about later that the thing was manually controlled, which meant that, you know, they could choose not to run it. And, you know, showing please wrap it up when devs are talking about yeah, 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 yeah. the yep. team that have died is extremely disgraceful. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was the biggest controversy that came out of that. But the fact that the biggest controversy that came out of it was that, as opposed to, you know, one of the things from previous years, where it's like, oh, some random guy shows up on the stage to accept the award for... What was it last year? Was it uh, Bloodborne? 
when the guy shows up and says, I would like to thank my rabbi Bill Clinton or some yeah, shit. Yeah. Bloodborne didn't win anything last year. <laughs> it would be, it would be oh, weird Bloodborne. if Bloodborne won for last year. No, what, uh, what was Elden Ring won last year? People keep keep requesting Sony do something with that they never will ever again. That's the one. That's yeah. why Lies of but, P exists because Bloodborne will never get remastered. Someone yeah, had to make the, their the own Bloodborne that, like, with Timothy Chalamet in it. The fact that like what we're talking about is something that you know is actually relating to the awards itself being um being what they were like to me suggests some level of improvement the other thing that people were talking about was christopher judge doing his speak where he made a shot at call of duty and all the activision developers were like wow that was a low blow Oh no! The the game that we know what is literally repackaged DLC is being blasted. Right. Being repackaged DLC. Yeah, you know, I I could, you know what? No, you know what? I'd say it's probably a bad form to go and shit talk another game while you're there. But like, mm. Christopher Judge is not a game developer. He's an actor who just happens to work yeah. in video games. So if he wants to shit talk Call of Duty, shit talk Call of Duty. If any, you know what? By the way. If any game has suffered the most amount of shit, it's Call of Duty because they've been number one since forever. Mm. You've won. Right. You've won constantly. You're endlessly winning. You released a terrible game this year and you still made a crap ton of sales. And you're going to make a crap yep. ton of sales next year because even when Call of Duty has a bad game, it never runs out of steam. Yep. Right. So live with it. You know what? It's like... The Chiefs complaining last year about everyone not liking them and not believing in them. It's like, fuck off, dude. You won the Super Bowl. You're going to win another Super Bowl. You're great every single year. You're going to make the playoffs every single year. How much more do you want? I... Blue told me not to talk about sports before this. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. We can, we, no, I, I'm only talking about the Chiefs. I'm not talking about the team I dare not mention because I'm infuriated with them. The ridiculous morons that I've followed for all these years. The uh, Benver Broncos is what I'll call them. Mm. I, I don't even want to be fans of them anymore. I, I legitimately am like, I should just stop being a fan of this team. I should just stop. But that's off topic. This is a video game podcast. It is, it is indeed. Yeah, no. Uh, so for international viewers, the equivalent of that is like Man United, how they're doing right now. They're like, oh, we're so sad that we have a bad season for once. It's like, shut the fuck up. You've had a million good seasons, like, over time. Let other people have a fucking go, man. Like, for Christ. Yeah, I guess that would be the equivalent. But, um, yeah, so, uh, so I'm not, so I think it was probably not nice of Chris Judge to say that. But at the same time, like, yeah, like, you know, I, I don't. It's, I have a hard time being all all that upset on behalf of the Call of Duty developers. But anyway, that was the Game Awards. Well, no, we're we're not close to the end of the Game Awards. <laughs> we have so much more to talk about the Game Awards. There was actual Final Fantasy Oh, there's news. more to talk about them? Yeah, tons of yeah. talk about Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I what did you, what did you think all of that seven rebirth news you've been sitting on came from? Well, I was assuming that was we were counting that as a no, separate no, topic, no, no, no. but... I mean, I don't, no, okay. 
I mean, I could talk about the actual games that are on there that I thought were good-looking, like Unusual June, uh, Don't Nod as a new game, you know, things like that. But uh, the new Persona uh, Three looked good. I've played Persona Three. I don't need to play Persona Three again. Oh, hi, I Molly. Mean, we haven't even really talked about the actual awards because didn't Final Fantasy win a few of the awards? Molly, you want to go yes, hang out with me that. while I'm okay. while I'm doing my video game podcast? Uh, ladies and gentlemen at home, this is my dog Molly. She just walked into the room because she's feeling lonely. Hi, Molly. Um, Molly can't hear you because uh, your voice is coming through my headphones. But uh, Molly, Rip. Techno says hi. Some color mage says hi. The people at home say hi. She's yawning. We do indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know what she wants. I'm going to ignore her while I continue doing this. Uh, yeah, so the actual, the actual big Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, she has walked away. Uh, the big Final Fantasy stuff. That's... Maybe she needs to go out, but I'll see how much longer I can ignore her. Uh, the big Final Fantasy stuff in the Game Awards. So, first of all, Final Fantasy XIV lost Best Oncoming Game... I mean, Best Oncoming. Final Fantasy XIV lo loses Best Ongoing Game to Cyberpunk DLC. Why the fuck was Cyberpunk yeah. even in that category? You know what? I think Cyberpunk actually deserved to win that one. No, I agree. I agree, right. And I, I get that I'm biased. I might be biased. You might sound biased because I don't play 14 at the moment. But I also don't play Cyberpunk, right? And I always say that, like, um, when Cyberpunk 2077 came out, I remember hearing my roommates at the time say, I feel like this is going to be a great game in a couple years when they've ironed out the bugs. And I thought at the time, I thought, they're not going to do that. You know, this isn't going to, this game isn't going to get a redemption arc. Because I was more used to games like Anthem or whatever that had come out and hadn't had their redemption arc. They just released, they were a dud, and then they burnt out after that. And the developers ignored them and moved on to the next thing. No, Cyberpunk 2077 has had an extremely, re extremely respectable redemption arc, right? You know, kind of like Final Fantasy XIV did. Maybe not to the same extent, you know. But that game has had it, it genuine people really like that game now and a lot of people are really rating it. To the point where I I might give it another shot. I might actually try it now. So I think it I think it was well deserved, frankly. You know, and fourteen, like I get it, didn't win this year, but it will win another year because fourteen is still still going strong. It's the only MMO that okay, matters. I, I, I... I am not saying for saying fourteen deserves to win over Cyberpunk. What I'm saying is that having a having an expansion pack qualify as best ongoing is yet another case of the Game Awards just having severe category error and having awards that make no no fucking sense. Well, in fairness no, to agree. in fairness to Cyberpunk, it's not just that the DLC. Like, I misspoke. I, it, they may have actually given it to Cyberpunk's DLC, which is called something or another. I don't care. Uh, but uh, Cyberpunk also had a big expand not expansion, but, like, big revision this year. It's basically in, like, its 3.0 state, and apparently it's much better than even the 2.0 version I played last year, which I thought was okay, but not ultimately a good game. And honestly, mm. the DLC doesn't look like it's my thing either, but a lot of people really love it. So I think it deserves this win. I think uh, it is in terms of a redemption it is story. Extremely impressive. 
it did what uh, Babylon's Fall could not do. Remember Babylon's Fall? Did I make that I game up? I do yes. remember that, ga that game existed, right? Yeah. That game is... No, yeah, like, for I think a while... That's is that dead officially, Babylon's Fall? It can't... Yeah, that, that, that was it's dead, dead especially. Like, every, no, like, for a while, there was this time where, like, games would come out, they'd suck, but then they'd have a redemption arc later down the line. I think it was 14 that might have even started it. Right, this trend of like releasing a subpar game, and then a couple years later, it would get the right patches it needed, it would get the right updates, and then people would say, No, it's good now, you know. So, the most classic example aside from 14 is probably No Man's Sky. That's the one where people say, No, that game's good now, right? And uh, but then after a while, more and more games came out where they they sucked on release and they were promising to be good later on. And, and audiences started to get tired of that. They're like, okay, you know, just release a good game at the start. We're not going to stick with it for that long. So you started to see more of them burn out and then not get the updates later on. So, like, um, Anthem's a good example of that. Oh, yeah. The, yeah Avengers game. Uh, yeah, like... I haven't thought about Anthem you know, in a long time. Yeah, rest in peace, Anthem. Yeah, so, like... You get more of these games where there's a promise of content down the line and improvements down the line, and they just don't get them, right? And I had a, like, I, for some reason, thought that Cyberpunk would fall into that category just because of how badly it was received when it came out. But no, it's really impressed me, the way they've turned it around. It's a really good redemption arc. Okay, I have a prediction, Okay. 2025's best ongoing game will be Battleborn. <laughs> Battleborn is going to come back. Everyone's going to realize they were wrong about that game, including me. I gave that game a scathing review when it came out. I thought it sucked. It's going to be great. Once, Let's see, is Battleborn even still active anymore? Uh, <laughs> no, it is not. Um, okay, well, that prediction is both. Yeah, it was shut down in February 2020. Completely dead. Well, I mean, yeah. I at least I didn't no, bet on before it. Before we, um, yeah. Before we move on to other game awards news, since we're talking about shutdowns, I feel like there's a, there's one that we should cover because it's incredibly funny. So everyone remembers Yuji Naka, right? Oh yeah, this story is uh, great. The uh, the uh, guy who got arrested for insider trading on both uh, Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, and Dragon Quest Tact. Yep. Well, they've announced that at the end of February, the international version of Dragon Quest Tact is shutting down. So, you know, <laughs> these two games he made big bets on, one and a half of them have shut down. Rip. Yeah, at least he didn't have any jail time for that. Rest in peace. I mean, he might... No, he's probably never going to make another video game after he that. Got a susp I, I mean, he was already basically stuck in, in the mobile hell zone since yeah. he... Uh, since uh, he uh, got he got kicked out of Square and made a and got into fights with literally everyone, including his oldest friends in the industry. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not smart. I mean, at but, least yeah. at least he's always going to be remembered as the director of Shadow of the Hedgehog. Mm, Shadow <laughs> of the Hedgehog. Yep, callback. There Ooh. you go. Did it. Uh, all right, so there's right. more. There's more game award stuff that happened. So, Final Fantasy 16 won best music. 
Congratulations to Final Fantasy 16. Oh, it did win that. Okay, yes. that's good. Yeah. I'm happy for it. Um, like, like I yeah, was that's expecting fine. Uh, six sixteen to win best performance and lose uh, best soundtrack. It ended up being the other way around. I feel like best soundtrack might be one of those categories that's just Final Fantasy wins it every year. It's going to be one of those categories that's like considered a boring category because they're like. Oh, Final Fantasy is in the running. It wins it. You know, it's like in the in the Grammys when it was best rap album. It used to be like, oh, best rap album. Oh, Eminem's in it. He wins it. Oh, Kanye West is in it. He wins it. Oh, Kendrick's in it. He wins it. Like it Who might it be this that. Was there even rap he music in twenty twenty three? Um. Yeah, probably like um. That's a good question, actually. Yeah, exactly. What the hell That's happened? That's a good to... question. What happened to rap year? music in 2023? There's like none of it. It fell, it fell off, man. It fell off in favor of uh, mostly reggaeton. Reggaeton kind of killed it in the charts a little bit. And country music, for some reason, is really popular. I don't know what's going wrong with the world. I don't think country music is competing for the same audience that hip-hop is. But yes, country did kill it in the charts this year. Yeah, I don't I don't care for this trend. It's disturbing. Twenty twenty four is gonna be a bad year is if if country music's popular, twenty twenty four is gonna be a really bad year. Not oh, a good sign for the gonna world. Win, you know who's gonna win best rap album this year? Is a guy called Billy Woods. He has a, the album Maps, which is a good album. That might win it. Congratulations to Billy Woods, whoever you are. I have no idea. Well well maybe Nas will finally win it. But I I would be shocked. Um Maybe, you know, maybe Taylor Swift will just, they'll just give it to Taylor Swift. Person of the huh. year. Uh, all right, there's more, there's more Game Awards. In She's definitely year. winning album of the year, isn't she? Did she, can you count a remake as an album of the year? Probably can for Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can. Uh, more Game Awards news. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, you remember that game. It lost Best RPG to Baldur's Gate 3. Um yeah, well, but that I no, think we no expected shit. that. Baldur's Gate was a lock for for everything it was nominated for. Actually, it was Baldur's Gate three was the game of the year. Like that was the that was the game that impressed everyone. It was gonna win that category. I should have. I should have played it. I never had time. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. Eventually, it'll happen. I figure. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen was not nominated for game of the year, right? No, it wasn't uh, I, I think it might have been nominated. I don't think I, it was. No, it wasn't? No, it was not. Oh, it wasn't? Okay. No, I'm double-checking that. It was not. Uh, it was nominated it was not, for Best Narrative, know. Best Score in Music, Best RPG, uh, Best Performance. I think uh, I think a Baldur's Gate guy won that one too, right? Yeah, Baldur's Gate got Best Performance. And, okay. You know, so Final Fantasy yeah, 16 lost the, everything the, the, except music. with the spotlight to the face. All right, well... Uh, however, Final Fantasy VII 2 uh, did win Most Anticipated. It did, yep. For good reason. Because, I mean, they, they might have... Everyone might have changed their voting mid-show after the big Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, theme song announcement trailer. And oh, man, I'm glad we finally get into that. Yes, the live oh, performance so... of it, too. Also, you can tell that they were struggling for nominees for best mobile game because Ever Crisis was in there. Oh yeah, Ever Crisis. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ever Crisis. I'm glad didn't win because it didn't deserve to. I assume Honkai Star Rail won that, right? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. I don't, I don't particularly like saying honkai because it sounds like honky to me. It just, it's, I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. There's a ton of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth stuff, though I will call it Final yeah. Fantasy VII Two because I like that better. Uh, so we got a big new theme song from uh, Uematsu. Uematsu. Yeah, it was Umatsu. Umatsu? How do I say his name? Umatsu. Uematsu. Uematsu. Yeah, he's done the theme song for a ton of games that he didn't actually compose for, including 12s, right? right, I have to say the whole name. Nobuo Uematsu. If I don't say the whole name, it doesn't sound like me. That's correct. Yeah, Uema- yeah, Nobu yeah, Uematsu, he did... he's back and he's doing his thing so again. He did the he did the soundtrack for for uh twelve. No, not the soundtrack. He did the he... theme song for twelve, despite the fact that he didn't know anything about twelve. Yeah, and <laughs> no shit. And so that's <laughs> no why twelve. That's why that theme song has absolutely fuck all to do with the story or anything like that. If if it had something to do with the story, it would probably be his best theme song. But as it stands, I still think Melodies of Life just washes everything else. But um, Yeah, Melodies so of Life he, is the best of all the vocal themes of Final Fantasy songs. Right. He's only, like, he's not massively, massively involved with the soundtrack overall for 7 Remake. Obviously, a lot of it is remixes of his own soundtrack for 7 the original. But I don't know to what extent he has a big role in the remake series soundtrack but he did do the sound he did do the theme song for the seven remake which was hollow and uh i I wasn't all that impressed with it i don't remember that at all i'm looking at his credits and i'm like oh there was a main theme in final fantasy 7 remake i don't remember yeah there was and it was it was the first i think it's the first one he did that was by a male singer actually and that's why i don't it wasn't yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just like you say, it's not very memorable. So I wasn't all that impressed by it. But with that said, I love this theme song. It's no I Bump really of Chicken. Really... You know, like from Type Zero, Bump a Chicken song. Um, no one I don't that? know. I yeah, don't remember. Yeah, I re- it's hard to forget that scene. It's kind of like the defining moment. Of type zero where you're watching a boy and his chocobo bleed out while bumper chicken music plays <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah no 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 i remember now bumper right, chicken okay. is a japanese band they just have a hilarious name and it, it's Gosh, it's yes. fitting because a chocobo's dying and their name is bump of chicken <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i was i really really enjoyed this theme song i enjoyed that trailer so much um i think the theme song i've rips. never it's great. I've never come close to tears from a trailer before. That's how good this theme song was. I'm, uh, I, I, I love it, man. I, I love it so much. I'm so excited for this game. Uh, the like, song is called No Promises to Keep. Uh, I, we also need to mention that uh, Aerith actually sings it in the game. Yep. It, it, and it definitely sounds like an Aerith song. Right. I feel like this might hit the same way as the theme song in Crisis Core 
Um, I don't know what it's called because it's mostly in Japanese aside from the word why. But that theme that, song that in is Crisis. That's what the song's called. It's called That's why. what the song's called. It's called why. Yeah. So that theme song, it's like it comes right when Zack's death comes about. And I think we discussed it last year that Zack's death is executed extremely well in Crisis Core. It's one of the things it unequivocally does right that everyone can agree on it does right. Right. But um, it comes right at that time, right when you're at the brink of like, oh, shit, Zack fucking died. And it like breaks you. And just to complete how much that scene destroys you emotionally, they hit you with that banger of a fucking song. And it's so devastating, right? But um, I feel like they might do that again with this theme song. Like, it might be after Aerith has passed away, she sings this song. Right. Um, it looks it's, like she sings it at Gold be... Saucer is where I would guess this is where this is happening. I think that's a red herring. Okay. I think I think that's a red herring. Or it's either it's either a red herring or she does sing it at Gold Saucer and then we hear it again after oh, she passes yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Because and the reason yeah, I say it's not this like songs can't be reused, like Hollow is also in in remake, it is the uh, it is the theme of the uh, sector sector six slum town. That's so. The that's reason where I you say hear this, most of the game before the ending. The reason I say this is because Tetsuya Nomura recently, I'm going to tie into another news piece about Seven Rebirth, said something along the lines of that um, he was he was alluding to the Aerith's death scene, and he said this time we're going to add another element of emotion to it. And I think the song might be it. Okay. I think it's entirely possible that the song is is what they add to it is that Aerith gets her own theme song now, and I'm, I might be wrong about that. You already that. had her own theme song. Yeah. Yeah, it's but a it's famous like, song. It's not. It's not a vocal theme though. Yeah, like, you're right. It's not a vocal theme, and her her theme song is. Um, I mean, yeah, everyone knows her theme song is is fucking amazing, right? It might be. It, ironically, considering it's like basically Celeste's theme from six, and yet the seven one won out. But no, I mean, like I, I think it's possible that if there's an element of emotion added to it, this might be it. But e- either way, this theme song is fucking amazing, man. I really like it. And if you think about the lyrics to the theme song in in the context of Aerith fucking dies after this, then they Spoilers. hit a bit harder. My God, Ugh. I didn't know that happened. Oh yeah, Dumbledore dies too. What? And Darth Vader is Luke's father. What? The hell you say? <laughs> uh, oh, so um, a few other things about uh, the Seven Rebirth theme song. Uh, this is going to be performed by Lauren Alred, who is most famous based on this press release for uh, the single "Never Enough" from the god awful movie "The Greatest Showman," which did have good music but that movie sucks ass uh, i didn't see it uh, lyrics are by nojima interestingly enough and uh that's actually yeah, all the uh, actually not shocked about that it's uh pretty common for the uh for the writers to be involved in uh in like the main vocal song so no yeah i think he was these days. i think he wrote hollow as well the lyrics to it i'm not shocked about that I have so little memory of what Hollow is. I I hear um, 
I hear the song from A Star is Born. That's what I'm hearing. And that's mm. shallow. That's yeah, not like, hollow. So I, I have no idea. Like, literally no concept of what that song could possibly be. But yeah, like, a large number of the uh, vocal songs uh, over the past five years of 14 were uh, co-written by uh, Ishikawa and Koji. So I think it's just kind of normal. Okay, so we have a ton to talk about with 7-2. Um, but let's go and... So much. Oh, man, you clipped real hard there. I did? Yeah, you sound super loud now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, all um... right, that's a little better. Uh, anyway, so let's start with the uh, let's start with the small news. So, first of all, yep. uh, to celebrate Final Fantasy VII 2 coming out, uh, Advent Children is coming to theaters in America in February. Uh, February 21st and the 22nd. So, yeah, that's interesting. I guess I'll go see that. I, I maybe I might. I you know what? Maybe I'll en- maybe after all these years. And I did think that Advent Children Complete was better than the original Advent Children. And seeing it in the big screen, uh, should I see it dub or sub? What do you say? Uh, I mean, the dub's going to be kind of awkward because they're not redubbing that, are they? So it'll just be the uh, the original, the uh, old cast. Yeah, it'll be yeah, and the mediocre old Sephiroth. Shall I give you despair? You know that that performance. Yeah, the old cast aren't nearly as good as the new cast. So um, <laughs> I've never. Not a thing I, I say, don't cherish Sephiroth. <laughs> I've I will say I've never seen it subbed before. So, um. Yeah, I'll see it sub. Yeah, I'm I... with you. I'm with you. All right. Let's yeah, let's see it sub. Okay. All right. I'll drive down to Texas and we'll go watch it subbed in February. Oh sweet. Yeah, let's do it. Then. I I'm not actually we'll being. I, I'm not actually serious. <laughs> I'm not actually going to drive to Texas. But no, if you want to come visit, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, let's let's go for it. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah. So it will release in Japan next month if you happen to be in Japan for whatever reason. Uh, it is an Adam Tickets event, so everyone with your AMC stubs list, you cannot use your points for that. You do not get that movie for free. You have to actually pay for it. Shame. All right. Rip. Yeah. So, anyway, Final Fantasy VII 2, there's like a million things came out. Like, I, I don't even know where to start. Zack's going to be playable in this, I think is one of the news we learned. Uh, Yeah, we kind of... We, I don't want to say we knew for certain, but it was, it was kind of pointing that way there's going to be a lot of news coming along for the next month i think like all sorts of stuff is going to be happening there's all sorts of things kate sith is playable now i think they've decided no, so, yeah. so blue yes there's one thing i want your reaction to uh-huh how do you feel about mr highwind sid highwind yeah he, he's in the trailer for like 10 seconds and he's not going to actually be in this game uh, he's not gonna be playable. Well, I mean, not gonna be playable. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I, I think you probably should remove the scene of domestic violence because that. It's not violence. It's. Uh... I think he slaps her, doesn't he? No, he didn't slap her. He just he yells at her yeah, really he badly. Her. Like, it's the sit down, shut up, and drink your goddamn tea. Yeah. yeah so that's... I think they do. I think they need to retool Sid's character. And I've talked about this on another podcast, how if I personally were doing it, 
what I would do is I would make Sid into like kind of drunken and depressed rather than drunken and angry all the time. So like, you know, like Shara's still like, oh, this guy's a wreck. And the other thing I would change is like the one thing that kind of doesn't hold up well at all with Shara is like she says, oh, I deserve this is my fault. No, we can't do not have that plot thread anymore. Do not. You know what? Do not. You could, you could change nothing with the character if you just have Shara yell back. Like, just like, shut down, you cr shut up, you crusty old fart. If she just yells back no, at him. No, that works then, too. If they're just that kind of yeah. couple where they just, they yell at each other all the time, but it's like equal, that's fine. You just That's another good one, yeah. You I like that. You can't do an abusive relationship for laughs, which is possible to pull off if they're tiny little Popeye pixel characters on the PlayStation 1. If they're full with no voice acting, yes. Yeah. If they're full 3D people walking around, then you're like, oh my god, this is this is deeply abusive. They're real humans with flesh, and now now it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So like, Sid Highwind is someone who, when I replayed it recently, <clears throat> like I remember that Sid actually has a really good character arc. You know, because he starts out like. If he's portrayed as, if you don't think of him as abusive, right, and you assume that whatever the intent behind the translators was or whatever, that they just intended to do it like how I described it, as he's just depressed and down on his luck rather than he's actively harmful, right? He comes from someone who thinks he's, like, down and defeated and, you know, he's missed out on his dream and there's nothing left for him in the world. Oh, right, he's a, he's a Broncos actually, fan, isn't he? <laughs> oh, I fuck! I mentioned it. Damn it! Oh my god! All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's on. It's on my mind. It's an obsession. So, uh, so good, so good. Villa's on my mind for a different reason. Mm -hmm. Sorry to say. Um, but yeah. So, if you think of him that way, then when he turns around and he's basically like he's so important to the group dynamic. When he has that whole speech of like, I oh you know when you think about it, the planet's just a kid crying out for help and whatever, like. His character arc is really, really, really good. So I think it's very important that they get that right. Because if they get that right, then Sid is another of those characters that I think could be a standout character for me. Like, I feel like every character in Seven Remake, they've taken from the original and they've improved them. And they haven't improved them by, like, changing them dramatically. Like, not changing their personality. They've just given them more moments to stand out and they've, you know, given them a really good voice actor behind them. And I just feel like Sid could be that for me. Sid could really, I, I, I see a lot of potential in Sid, okay. you know, but the reason I, I wanted your reaction from it is because I remember in your walkthrough, you were a big fan of him at the time. I did name myself Highwind for a reason. Uh, yep. However, the character that we've gotten the most detail about is not Sid, because he will not be playable, and I, I don't know how much we're actually going to get of him in this game, maybe more in the third one. Uh, Kate Sith, they've uh, reworked his entire battle stuff. Uh, so all the so ex explain that to us. All right, so originally Kate Sith was pretty much just another party member, except he had a crap limit break, which was all luck-based, which makes him mostly useless. There's really no reason to well... ever use well, I mean, if if you play it on certain runs, 
Yeah, like if you... It can actually be an amazing limit break. But yes, in normal gameplay, it's very luck-based. It's very... It's it's a a huge risk. Yeah, and he's also an annoying, weird-looking character that uh, is a worthless traitor, and I have not forgiven him for that. Uh, but no, he doesn't do anything to redeem himself from that. After that's the other problem. Well, he does. Is he I doesn't? Mean, he doesn't comes back sufficiently and tries redeem to save the world. I mean, yeah. You know. there's there's that whole scene that happens right after where it's like I'm gonna sacrifice myself so we can get the forbidden material. Except it's not really a sacrifice because I can just throw this robot body away. I have another one. It's like all right. So apparently, uh, you can. You play just as the cat, and then the Moogle summons along with him. And then you could, right, like, sure. merge together, split apart, and it seems like some interesting stuff happens here. Uh, the Moogle has its own HP bar. So if the, mm. Moogle, if the Moogle runs out of HP, it will die. I'm not sure if you can heal the Moogle. I imagine you can. I guess it's like a fourth party member. Or resummon the Moogle, or... It probably has, like, a cool... Yeah, if, if it dies, you can summon it back again. I imagine there's a cooldown or something. Uh, I'm just reading a Game Rant article. I did not read it beforehand, so I'm trying to read it while talking and learn as much as I can right here. Uh, Most of this article is just the author complaining about the Moogle, and I wonder... Honestly, this kind of reads like it was written by ChatGTP. Uh, I mean, you can just... Just go to Square Enix's blog, then. There's, there's Yeah, it was the first like, thing that came up on about Google. Seven, seven Rebirth uh, in incredible detail. Yeah, I shouldn't. And also, Kate Sith is actually pronounced Kate Sith. It's not pronounced Kashi or whatever we thought it was going to be. They've confirmed that it is, in fact, Kate Sith. Yeah, take that, Irish people. No one speaks Gaelic, you losers. I... I mean no harm to Irish people. I prefer you to the English. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, what about me? I'm Irish and English. Um, I imagine your body is trying to separate itself and, like, split apart at the seams and will leave nothing but a kind of gooey soup on the floor. Interesting. Yeah. No, you know what? No, there's a very long history of the English and the Irish intermingling, and I could talk about the old Irish and the new Irish and Pals of Settlement yeah. and all sorts of stuff, but we don't have time for that. We're talking about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, fuck Cromwell. But And also, Kate Sith is Scottish. Oh, His accent is, anyway. But isn't he an Irish creature? The Yes, the I... name Kate, Kate Sith. Or Ketchy or whatever is an Irish name. It's a Celtic but... mythology creature, so... That's oh, right. You know what? No, he is Scottish. But he's pr- primarily Scottish. I'm wrong. All right. Oh. Yeah. Well, they like, completely wrong. All that... Now, the Scots and the English, they go together, you know, like peanut butter <laughs> and jelly. Don't, there's never been any issues whatsoever. Chocolate and peanut butter, those two. Uh, yeah. Look, you, you just have to remember that for all of the, uh, of all of the people on those uh, on those islands, they all unite over their hatred of the British. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, what other big Final Fantasy VII things do we need to talk about? Oh, there's a bunch. Um, about, I uh... so I I talked about the Aerith one briefly. Uh-huh. 
because I don't think there's much more to say. We can speculate what they mean by we're going to add emotion to it. But, you know, oh. I think... I Red 13 that, like, is going to be playable. There's that, of course. Chocobo Racing. Well, we, we already knew that. And we'd be I'd be shocked if he wasn't playable. But what I'm interested in with Red 13 is his battle style is not what I expected it to be. Uh, what What's his deal? So, Red 13 is more of a defensive character, kind of like a tank, right? Which I thought was not going to happen because A, Barrett already has that role. And B, when you think of his limit breaks in the original, wasn't really set up that way. But no, it turns out they're going to make Red 13 a more defensive, like, tanky character, which, you know, it's, it's just one way of doing it. And I'm sure they'll get it right. But it's just, you know, I don't think I would have gone that direction. But maybe they looked at the team and they thought, this is probably what's most what's missing the most. Because, yeah, I guess as it stands, you know, Barrett is the only really defensive character. Well, and everyone else is not really like that. Red 13's, uh, like, second limit break was a defensive one, wasn't it? It... If I re- yeah, if I recall correctly, it was something to do with buffing the party. I think you get defense and haste, possibly. Yeah, that might be it. I barely used Red Thirteen. Me... I'll, I'll be completely honest. I, I don't use animals. I, I, I only really use Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, and and sometimes Sid and sometimes Yuffie. Uh, Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, Supremacy until Aerith dies and Vincent. Yes, that is that is the other way to play. Or Sid. Actually, I use Sid a lot too. Sid is Sid is very fun. Highwind, of course. Like it, it is like okay. So yeah, Barrett and Red are both defensive, but they're defensive in different ways. Barrett is very much a meat shield. He gets uh, he gets abilities that you know reduce damage and let him take damage for others and stuff like that. Whereas Red is. Uh, Red is a counterattacker. He he gets more powerful as he as he blocks attacks. Okay, yeah. So red thirteen. That's, that makes oh, sense. God That's dude. pretty sweet. Because counterattack materia was by far my favorite part of the original Final Fantasy VII. I always love counterattack abilities. My favorite thing to do was to give Tifa a ton of counterattacks and make her attack the strongest, so that every time you hit her. She just responds back, and then she hits like five times, and they're all nine 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 damage, and it's so it's so much fun. So if Red Thirteen is built like that, I will he will probably be one of my favorites to play, which is tough considering Yuffie and Tifa are in the game. I was correct. Red Thirteen's second limit break is Lunatic High, which adds haste to the party and increases defense by fifty percent. Yep, that's that's the one. But none and of his other one ones deep. seem particularly defensive, except Howling Moon, which is Haste and Berserk. Which yeah, and that one's is, honestly. Berserk is not is not you a status want. that you want to have. Especially not in, especially not in Final Fantasy VII when you're constantly using magic, basically. No, yeah, that's that's not a game that you want Berserk in for yeah. sure. Um, so so as far as who joins the party, uh, I don't think. We, we know Zach is playable. I don't think he joins the party. I'd be shocked if he does. Well, no, because so, it's been clear that um, that 
it's uh, Zach, Zach's bit takes place in another timeline. He's in another dimension. Yeah, another, yeah, it's it, it's separate from the party anyway. Like that, yeah, like, that's what in, we're in, in Zach's bit. All of uh, all of uh, Avalanche is dead except for Wedge. Except for except for Biggs. Except for Biggs. Except for Biggs. Uh, how can one. you get yeah. how can you get Biggs and Wedge Charlie mixed Shane. up? It's Charlie Shane. Charlie Shane. <laughs> what? The... I just um, remember Phil saying that he looks like him. Okay, I don't, I don't see so, it personally, but so there's um, as far as he joins, there's also um. That's everybody. I mean, you have Yuffie coming well, back, Yuffie... and then the rest of the crew. Yeah, yes, yeah, Yuffie and, coming back. And like, except uh, for like Aerith's triangle attack being changed to a teleport, the uh, the returning characters don't seem to have changed that much. They're getting, they're getting bigger skill sets but their general idea it's the same yeah but that is a really big Aerith change and i'm gonna say that um i love you Aerith. i love the character i did not enjoy playing Aerith in seven remake like um i know i've seen some good some good playthroughs of people using her to like great effect but i found her to just be like you know she's slow and she's hard to she's hard to maneuver around and she relies on these ranged attacks but she's also unlike barrett who's also slow and relies on ranged attacks she can't take damage so it's just i did not enjoy playing her so a teleport sounds like like i might actually really get a lot out of Aerith this time so no, I'm I'm excited for I'm excited for it because even though I know I'm probably just gonna play Tifa the whole time, like I I know that I'm gonna have all these other characters to experiment with and see what their different playstyles are, and that was one of the best parts of Seven Remake. I'm gonna all they re need I'm gonna I'm gonna have to relearn Cloud's parry move that I sucked at last time. Oh, oh well. All they needed to do with this game was just take remake and make slight tweaks to it and instead it feels like between all these playstyles plus the addition of these synergy moves to an extent that i didn't expect even from integrate where yuffie has that a little bit even i didn't think they'd be this deep between all of that seven rebirth is looking so fun like yeah. and I think I think it's entirely possible that when we look back on the remake trilogy, quote unquote, that we we look back at Seven Rebirth as the best one. I think you know I don't I can't think of many other trilogies in gaming where the third game is considered the best one. You know the only the only example I can think of is Ratchet and Clank, where everyone says the third one is the best. I personally oh. prefer the second, but I get people who say that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Tech um, now, tech now. Go on. I'm checking a synergy chart, and I'm noticing that there is one character on here that I did not expect to be, which is Sephiroth. So Sephiroth will be a playable party member in this too. Yeah, but yeah, that's only during. That's the. Yeah, I know, but still, it's that's gonna fucking rule though. Oh, Cloud and, so Cloud and Sephiroth have a synergy move together. Uh, this. Yep. One thing it's I. Beautiful. I understand why there's not a synergy for every single character of every single other character, because that would be complete madness to code all that. 
I, I don't ask that much work for anybody, but it does kind of force you to use two characters together because why would you ever use like Red Thirteen and Tifa in a party together if they don't have a synergy move? I, I'm if pretty they sure don't, those no. are actually supposed to all have synergies, but also some of them are pretty generic. Like there are synergy attacks that use meter that I think are unique unique for each for each uh, pair, but they're also synergy abilities that you can use at any time that are okay there's like basic ones like all of like all of Aerith's synergy abilities are that the other person the person moves over and blocks attacks for her okay but also like it looks like there's specific ones for specific people possibly also like although you only i might be making this up but although you only have three in the party at the time i believe like outside the party there's other people that like do ranged attacks from a distance? What do you mean? I'm making that up. What they're doing there, like they're hanging out around the edge of battle, but I haven't seen them do anything. What do you mean? Are these like okay, maybe the they... Final Fantasy twelve like guest party members that follow you around like three times that happens? No, the no, the characters that aren't in your party. Yes. Oh, oh, around. oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, you can see them in the di in a distance. <laughs> you but, know what um... I. I want them to go, like, completely, we're just video game as shit about it, and they'll just be out, like, cheering you on, but they can't actually interact in any way. And no that explanation of why they're not fun. there. Don't don't explain it. You don't need to. It's a video game. They're just there. That would be so much fun. Yeah, so, like, I do want the, um... I do want that the synergy attacks will... Between the party members will, like, change the strategy of, like, what kind of party we put together. So if I'm appro if I'm approaching Seven Rebirth the way I'd approach Seven Remake specifically the uh, the uh, simulation parts like the VR battles right I would say okay I'm gonna put a party together of for example Tifa Yuffie and, and Barrett and the reason for that is Barrett's gonna soak up all the damage while Tifa and Yuffie they're gonna be the ones who go in and they do all the damage and they're light and quick. And they can just rapidly put someone up into uh, into what's it called, in, into stagger, and then just Tifa will build up their stagger a, a, amount of damage they'll take, and Yuffie will just like go ham on them, right? I would build it up like that, and then unless I'm in I'm in a more of a magic situation or like okay, I'm gonna have Aerith, I'm gonna still probably have Barrett, but I'm gonna have Cloud because his magic is so good. And then I would build it around, it would be around Aerith's magic damage, right? Um, you know, I would approach it like that. But if there's a synergy, if synergy plays a role into it, and then there's certain synergy abilities, that would change up what kind of parties that were put together and how I would go about setting that up. So, no, that's, it's like the whole, everything they're adding to this game is so exciting, like, I'm, I and I do like I was saying earlier. I do think that we're gonna. I, I don't know any other gaming trilogies where the third one is the best one. I think it, every gaming trilogy, almost the second one is the best one. So I think this is going to be the best one. Uh, let me think. Gaming trilogy. How many video game trilogies have there actually been? It's like the Prince it's of Persia for PlayStation Two. Um. That's all I can really think of off the top of my head. GTA 3. Oh, I guess GTA 3. You know, San Andreas. That's and not really. One. That was the best one. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant, like, 
GTA 1, 2, and 3 as a trilogy. No, I meant GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, where the okay. third one is the best one. Uh, um, I Halo... Am I allowed to oh. counter? I didn't care for any of the three, but the third made people the maddest, so I find that one the best because it's funny. Mass Effect. Go on. Yes. Okay. No, no, like you know, Mass Effect. Mass Effect Two might Mass... actually be the most beloved one of that series. It is. It is. I love Mass Effect. That's one of my favorite series, and that was the one I was thinking of where I was saying that the second one of that is by far the best one. But yeah, the third one... So here, here's the thing, like, slight tangent. I won't spend too long on it. But We're like, on a tangent already, so don't, don't worry. Everyone knows so, what, how mad everyone Mass Effect 3. Right, yeah, so like, when Seven Remake came out, and there was there were some people who were so upset with the ending of Seven Remake, there were some people who were really mad. It didn't last for that long, right? And I remember seeing a comment where someone said, is this the worst ending to a video game since Mass Effect 3? I think it what is. I'm like, big man. You, you were not there for the ending of Mass Effect 3. And just how bad that was. Just how poorly received it was. The, oh, the ending of remake. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't agree with them who hated the ending of remake. Right, I don't. I I disagree with that perspective personally. But like, you know, Mass Effect Three. Literally, no one was satisfied with it. There was not a single person who came away from that saying you delivered what we wanted. It was a satisfying conclusion, and no one said that. They had to rush out a DLC, a free DLC, to quote unquote fix the ending, and. Even still, like, you know, the main reaction to that has been, all right, it was better than what you came up with the first time, but it still wasn't good. Like, it still wasn't good enough. You know, they had to use fucking artworks for it because they couldn't animate scenes for that ending properly. Like, it was really, you know, there's never going to be a game with an ending as poorly received as Mass Effect 3 ever again. But Mass Effect 2 was the best one. So I, I reckon... think someone could do it. I think you can do it. You can do worse. Maybe. Yeah, maybe someone could do a worse job than that. But like, just the level of outrage was maybe unprecedented. Slightly ridiculous, I'll say, in retrospect. But, yeah. Yeah, in, in some ways it was. It just, like, it, maybe it overpromised. I'm not a Mass Effect guy, so I can't really say it. It did overpromise. I will say that. It did absolutely overpromise. It's like when Todd Howard from Bethesda said, oh, this game's going to have like hundreds of endings, and everyone knew that was bullshit. They said the same thing about Mass Effect 3. They said, no one person is going to get the same ending as someone else, and that's exactly what happened. It was three identical endings where there was barely anything changing them but okay. look um I've... yeah seven remake seven three i doubt seven three this ending is going to be as bad as mass effect three but i can see seven three not living up to seven two i can i'll tell you exactly how seven three is going to end all right cloud is going to be on a train oh. platform and then mari's going to be there and they'll run away together and then all the other characters will go back and then a big theme song will play and that'll be the end um, okay. Interesting. This is a very funny reference, if you had any idea what I was talking about. I, I unfortunately do not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. It'll be a mystery to you forever. Maybe I'm just saying okay. random words. Or maybe it's a reference to something. Uh, I 
think that's basically everything to say about seven. Like we'll have tons more to talk about with seven two because, you know, what else there to uh, talk about next few months? I mean, yeah. Last thing that came up also related to the battle system was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth creative director didn't want reflex type action with the without the strategic core elements in a JRPG series. Um. He wants it to be tactical and not purely action-based, is basically okay. what he's saying, what Nomura is saying there. I guess that's in response to 16, which uh, people debate if that's even really an RPG at this point. Yeah, it might be in response to... I don't think he's, like, you know, I don't think he's I, making jabs at 16. I think he's just describing why he took yeah. a different approach to it. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think he's shit-talking 16. 16 no, sold like, well enough, but... Not well enough for some people, as it turns out. No, it's weird. Like people have made all make all these accusations at the square at the people in Square saying like, Oh, are you ma- are you shit talking the other game that came out? Like and no I don't I just I don't see that. I think people read into it a little bit too much, but Well, yeah. actually, Techno, um speaking of Final Fantasy sixteen sales. Uh, Go on. You and me, uh, some time back, uh, we oh, had a discussion. Yeah, we have to go into this discussion. Uh, so, you bet that at the end of this year, Final Fantasy 16 will sell over 10 million copies. Now, let's check what Final Fantasy 16 sales are. Uh, according to the latest thing, let's see. Ba-ba-ba. I'm trying to find a good solid number more than back in June because we haven't heard much since. Uh, it looks like the latest number, the highest number I can find is 3 million. Can't possibly be right. There has to be more mm-hmm. than that. I mean, that, that's like, I mean, you can just extrapolate to know that it hasn't hit Techno's target. Uh, yeah. So, because the 3 million number was, what, two weeks after release? Yeah. If it was it 10 million, we would have heard 10 million. They would have announced it by this point. Uh, yeah, it has not sold another 7 million in like five months. No. Yeah. So, Techno, so, you owe me $20 of Steam credit. Okay, I'm going to say two things yes. with regard to this. The first thing I'm going to say is um, we don't tend to get accurate. De- details on the sales figures for games, right? Are you and wiggling out of this? I'm not. This <laughs> okay. isn't me wiggling out of this. Right. I'm just making a tangent, right? Um, so we don't tend to get those those figures all that accurate, like, um, you know. So for example, we didn't know how well the Ratchet and Clank games sold until there was a, a illegal leak from Insomniac Games, where and we found that no, it actually sold extremely good numbers it was really respectable and exceeded their expectations by two million so well done ratchet and Clank. but um and we're not we're not likely to get accurate numbers on 16 unless there's either another leak like that i hope there's not that comes out or they actually come out and tell us in like a financial report saying oh 16 did this well or yeah, whatever. They do not give exact right. numbers in financial reports. I've read. Some they do not give now. exact numbers, so that's yeah. So that's not likely to happen. So we're not likely to get the exact numbers. However, like SEM said, 
we are we can comfortably say it did not sell what I thought it would sell. No. Right. Look, even if we don't get comf- don't get exact numbers, I can comfortably say that if any of the entries in this here- series hit ten million, we'll know. Okay. Right. So techno, B, like seven seven B. remake hit seven million this year. They they announced that for the obvious reason. Uh, B. Like, B. Uh, go on. Go on. Okay. The next, the next thing I was going to say was that um, the reason I was so confident about it at the time was that I was hearing so much hype around the game, right, that it was getting me legitimately excited. I was very bullish on that game. And what I was hearing was that it was going to be this high-quality, really strong game, and it was going to be like a sleeper hit for a lot of people. You know, you couple that with the fact that it's, in theory, a much more accessible game than a lot of the other Final Fantasies are. You know, it could, in theory, reach a lot of audiences that previous games might have been a little bit constrained by. You know, you can imagine certain people who are... There there are certain people in this world who are, unfortunately, they're just put off by anything that looks even remotely anime-related, and they think it must be bad by default, so they would never play a Final Fantasy game. Well, sixteen would appeal to them. Second, let me ask you this question. Um, did you buy Final Fantasy 16? No, I did not, and I was about to get to that. So right. you did not help um, your own hopes. I in did this not major. help my own case. <laughs> right. So um, I was really, really bullish on it because that was the sense I was I was getting at the time was that it was really going to be like considered. It was going to be one of those games that I thought was going to sell through word of mouth because of how good it was. Right. But when it came out, it turned out it was good. It didn't live up to that level. It didn't live up to the level that I thought it was going to hit. Right. And that was just because all of the people I heard that were saying, you're not ready for how good this game is, blah, blah, they tended to be a little bit quiet. That Like, those voices dampened a little bit after the game came out, and then the game was kind of lost in conversation. And at that point... I knew I'd lost the bet at that point, right? And I have nothing against 16. Again, I didn't play it. The reason I didn't play it is because I got the demo and I really didn't enjoy it. You know, okay. and, and that gives me no joy to say, but like it's 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 not a bad demo. It's it's a good demo. It's I'd the say. best slice really of that game. This... You played the best it, two I was hours really of that enjoying game. The story of it. I was really enjoying the story. I did not get on with the combat system, and I was distraught. I was so upset that I stopped at the game. So, And then uh, all the reviews I was hearing afterwards was people saying, oh, the story is whatever, but the gameplay is really, really good. And I thought, well, I like the story, and I didn't like the gameplay, so why would I like this game? So that's why I didn't buy it. So, um, for, yeah, so... Unfortunately, you I, owe me twenty dollars of Steam stuff now. Uh, I do not. Yes, you do. Because no, uh, so I do. But there was another bet related to sixteen okay. that I won. Oh, which bet's this? I had okay. a bet with Cutties. Oh yes. Related to one of 16's characters, I was saying going. I was saying like this was before the hype for sixteen picked up. My biggest fear of the game was that I didn't think any of the female characters would be interesting at all. And Cat Yu's made this bet with me 
that was along the lines of, I think one of these will be really interesting. And we had this like criteria to determine if the one of the female characters from 16 was going to be all that memorable. That did not materialize. Okay, so they, they, what was the details of this bet? Let's let's see if we can remember. We have this saved somewhere, don't we? Uh, yeah, I think it was wording. The general. It, where is it? Yeah, here. Uh, your uh, your bet can't be cashed in yet, uh, Techno. It's within twelve months of sixteenth oh, okay. release. Okay. All right. So. Uh, yep. All right. So that that bet we'll have to deal with in July of twenty twenty four. Because that's when did sixteen come out? June, June of twenty twenty four. For now, you owe me twenty Steam dollars. So the game I am asking from you, which is luckily on sale, and I'm not going to ask for the remaining seven. Uh, this is Paranorma Site: The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Square Enix. Um, it is a horror. I guess you'd call it like visual novel game. I've heard extremely yeah. good things about it. Nobody's played this. Uh, Jason Schreier has very good things to say about it on his podcast, so I, I have to give this a try before I write my top ten. Yep. Totally fair. Okay, I will buy you that game. Alright, thank you and, so much. Um, had, I should, so, lesson learned from me is I shouldn't have made the bet as early as I made it. Nope. Right? I should have made it around the time of release and after the review that come out. Because had I done that, I wouldn't have made that bet. If memory serves, you were talking about it outselling like Witcher Three or something, and I I, I was not talking about it outselling okay. Witcher like, Three. Like Ten million no. for most video games is extremely bullish. Like, that is extremely bullish. Well, I was comparing it. Usual Ten I was... Million Club. It's Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. And Final Fantasy what Fifteen. What I was saying, actually, no. What I what I was saying about it was that I I was comparing it to witcher 3 from the sense of i thought it was going to be one of those games that didn't get a huge amount of you know people out who didn't know the witcher didn't know about the witcher 3 until after it came out then it started to spread through word of mouth and became more and more well known to the point where it got its stupidly high numbers and i thought if there's any final fantasy game that could do that it's 16 well techno you were kind of right in that there was a game that did have incredible word of mouth and was a major hit that no one would have expected. Unfortunately, that game was Baldur's Gate 3. That is right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Baldur's Gate became that game. We wasted our lives. We all should have been Baldur's Gate fans. We should have been running a Baldur's Gate podcast all this years, running the Baldur's Gate wiki. I don't even know what Baldur's Gate is. Like, well, you could argue, you could argue that Final Fantasy did already have its sleeper hit, and it didn't need sixteen, and that sleeper hit was fourteen. Like, you could make right. a solid case for that. There's the Norse god Baldur, but he doesn't really have a gate, so I'm not sure what that even refers to. What what is that thing? Let me go to the Baldur's Gate wiki and look up what Baldur's Gate is. Mm. But yeah, I do wonder, like, you know, because uh... sixteen, it doesn't really have bad sales, considering that it came out on only a single console. Like, those aren't bad sales. They're they're less than Ratchet and Clank's, funnily enough. But the game's been out for less time than Ratchet and Clank has been out for. Mm-hmm. Um But no, so I wonder what the what takeaways Square Enix are gonna have from this, because I feel like uh with between sixteen and fifteen, they were chasing this whole let's get the non-Final Fantasy fans back 
kind of thing with it. And I wonder if they're going to do that anymore. Like, I because don't, I don't know what you do this, after 16. You, you this make Final Fantasy VII what, Rebirth is what you do after 16, I guess. Well, yeah, of course. But oh, my take oh, is, sorry to interrupt see, you. Uh, Baldur's Gate is apparently a city on the continent of Faerun. That's what that means. I did not um, know that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so my take is that seeing how well the Seven series did, if I was square, what I do is I say, let's lean into our strengths, let's lean into what made Final Fantasy so good and what people loved about Final Fantasy, and let's try and make a classic Final Fantasy game as opposed to try and copy what everyone else is doing. Because I got the sense from... I'm not trying to hate on 16 because I, I can't hate on a game I haven't played. I can't. But I got the sense from 16 that that was what they were trying to do. Yeah, they were... They were trying to do what many of these games have done and is make a Final Fantasy game that's action-packed and also a large open world RPG but you can't do that with a Devil May Cry game it, it just it just does not work mm. uh, I, I, I looked at that Final Fantasy 16 DLC and it wasn't even just like that I was uninterested in what would happen with the characters which is unfortunately also true I don't give a crap what happens to Clive I'm a total hater hater mode hater always be hating that's my motto always be hating uh, I don't want to do any more of that combat. I'm so tired. I was so tired of it while playing the game, and the game's not all that long. And doing more of it would just drive me up a friggin' wall. It, just the same crap over and over again. Every battle was the same, Techno. Some color mage. Every battle was the same. Right. You did the same thing. It was just do your cooldowns every time. It doesn't matter what guy you picked or what attack you did. It didn't make any damn difference. It's just cooldowns. I'm sorry, Blue. I'm sorry that it's... But you didn't enjoy it. And then, and then, and then, and then they heard my complaint about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, or Remake, whatever, where I'm like, oh, this dodge roll doesn't work. So then they made the most ridiculously broken dodge roll that no matter what you do, you never take damage unless you really play incredibly sloppily. And I did lose a few times, so that, that tells you how much I suck at video games. <sighs> All right. So, Final Fantasy of the Year. Let's move on to that. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I know which game isn't making your Final Fantasy of the Year. Well, I, I figure each one of us gets to pick one of the one of these. I have a list of nominees here. Go on. Okay. So, the nominees for Final Fantasy of the Year 2023 are... Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. Final Fantasy Sixteen. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, Super Mario RPG Remake, Octopath Traveler 2, and Final Fantasy XIV, because Final Fantasy XIV eternally, forever, must always be on the list. Okay. Okay. All right, who goes first? Um, Some Color Mage, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, all right. I haven't heard you in a little while. I thought you might be AFK. Uh, do no, you want to? Two are just too busy playing off each other. Okay. No, no, um, no. You, your energy is important too. Yeah. We need it. It's a it's a balancing energy. Uh, I want you to pick your Final Fantasy of the Year, and if none of those games are actually what you want to pick for Final Fantasy of the Year, 
uh, feel free to interrupt and make your own. Okay, so I'm just thinking, like, yeah, I mean, for Final Fantasy, the you will stick with these six, because... Okay. Um, yeah, okay, so, I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen is obviously the eternal best, although, um, like, while I wouldn't call this year bad, it's, you know, it's, it's clear that the reduced, uh, the slower pace is... Uh, is uh, starting of the updates is starting to cause a bit of a problem and like people can play about the story but i thought it was fine like it was obviously a corny pastiche of final fantasy 4's plot and that is what it delivered and it delivered it with a plump so i don't give a fuck also like we got a fight against uh, rubicante with music composed by the uh, by the guy who did uh, one of the legendary old fan remixes of the Battle of the Fo- Battle of the Four Fiends song, so that was excellent. Um, yeah. So like, it's up there, but because it's Final Fantasy fourteen and it is still, you know, this the game that's been running since twenty thirteen. I don't really want to call it the best. Uh, last place is obviously Ever Crisis. Yep. Yep. Um, I did in not fact, on play that game. Of, on this list of six, oh. I think it it comes eighth place. <laughs> Wait, what's what's seventh then? Well, I was going to say give it seventh place, but that implies that it's that a Final Fantasy seven game that's good enough to be number seven. It's clearly not. Therefore, it gets bumped down to eight. You know what? Um, I, I'll tell you what seven is. Seven is Sea of Stars, the Chrono Trigger ish game that I ultimately found was extremely boring. Okay, I haven't played that, so I'm willing to accept your judgment on that. Um, Okay, so of uh, what we have left, um, I haven't actually played the Super Mario RPG remake yet, but I have seen all the new stuff, and it is frankly a phenomenal game. It is a phenomenal remake that gets what Super Mario RPG is. Uh, the, you uh, need to play that, don't I? Uh, you do need to play that. With, it's extremely worth it. What your time. they have done with Kulex in the remake is incredibly hilarious. He's hot now. Um, He's hot now. Like, He's distressingly like, hot now. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like they they looked at, like, when they originally made Coolex, they imagined, you know, what does the combined forces of uh, Amano and Nomura draw during the SNES days? And uh, and now, here in 2023, we, they, they just thought about some more. Uh, what does the combined forces of Amano and Nomura draw during the HD era? And it turns out he gets incredibly hotter. Mm. Um... Uh, okay, so, um... Uh, oh, has anyone played... Line... Has anyone played Octopath Traveler 2, by the way? Yes, yes. Okay. I, I wish I'd played it. I've played it. Um, what were your okay, thoughts? Because well, I put that, that on then. here because I've heard incredibly good things, but Octopath Traveler 1 kind of depressed me, and I, I can't bring myself to play the sequel. O- Octopath Traveler 2... Well, it depends. What did you not like about the first game? I thought the game was great and I was loving every part of it until I realized I was doing the exact same thing every time for all eight of these characters and I same. I went on way too long and then at a certain point I realized I hadn't played the game for two months and in fact had not played any games for two months just because I could not bring myself to keep playing that video game. Okay, well I think Octopath Traveler 2 does solve your biggest problem then because um you know each each character's story structure is actually somewhat different like there are a few characters that are just like 
completely free form after you do their intro you can do all of their events in any order uh, some characters that have split paths in their route and uh, some characters have shorter or longer stories and also they do actually interact more with each other that is like the biggest problem with octopath one that all of these stories felt completely completely self-contained and the other seven people are just you know off to the side having a drink or something um like while the the main character stories are still just entirely focused on that person uh they added side quests they're about multiple characters interacting with each other um uh the party chat feature actually actually works so that you know you can get all of the party chats uh without having to constantly swap your party around uh well, that's, and, this uh, all sound is the story at least more interesting because i think the other problem is i played that game and i don't remember a single character or any the of their plots the only interesting I've, character was the dancer I've, lady oh yeah she was a I, prostitute I that was kind of messed up i, I yeah. think it's a little better and i also think the setting is a lot more interesting like octopath travel 2 uh is takes place in a world that's that's like in the midst of industrial revolution and uh, and there are stories and like there are parts of stories and stuff that you know, deal with the impacts of that and like you know, one half of the game world is quite clearly richer than the other half and uh, and uh, the, there's a lot of this comes from one character that this game's merchant character who's basically his his goal is to bend uh, capitalism to his will so he can he can get a ton of money and give it to the to the slum that he comes from but oh, no. there's there's a lot of this uh, uh, there, there are a lot more interesting ideas in there I, I look i have not finished octopath 2 i have gotten further in it than i did the first game okay uh, let's put it that way so i think it did better in that respect um but it's not final fantasy of the year though it's not final fantasy of the year Okay. Um, well, you've really like, sold me on it. <laughs> okay, so what does that leave us? That leaves, that leaves us with, uh, 16, 16 and, and final bar line, bar line yes. Um, Some people here okay, really loved um, Final Bar Line. I, uh, I thought it wasn't as good as the I, Kingdom Hearts for their game, to be honest. I, I think these are both excellent games. Like, okay. you know, uh, I mean, I know your criticisms of 16 and like you know 16 it might not be an s tier final fantasy like i would like if you gave me a rating list i'd probably put it right between a and b it is a very good game it has some obvious flaws that you know they could potentially fix but probably aren't fixing because i think this is the game they wanted to make mm -hmm. um and and you know and like, yeah, while I like it, I, I think I liked Final Bar Line more. And that is, of course, the rhythm game where you and yeah. a party of chibi characters run around and play adventures using the Final Fantasy music. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's fantastic. It's uh, like it is a well it is a well designed game. Like, okay, some very hard note charts aside, because uh, it is a rhythm game and. So, and we'll get two extra if you let it but um, oh yeah yeah um i like 
Uh, yeah, uh, and I've probably put more hours into final bar line than I have 16. Um, you know um, what? If you had picked 16, I would have respected shit. the pick, and I respect your pick for final bar line. Yeah, I mean, I figured, like, like, I guess it really comes down to, um, like, if it's specifically Final Fantasy of the year, yeah, it does come down to those two, because, like, Super Mario RPG is a good game, but, like, ultimately, it's not supposed to be a Final Fantasy game. It's, it is very much Mario, and, uh, you know, like, they... There were two series that spun off this that are more in line with the ideas that that it was that it was pushing than anything Final Fantasy did from there on, except for I guess the uh, soundtrack. Because this, uh, I mean, you can tell from like switching between the original and remastered track. This is the uh, part where uh, Chimamora started uh, drifting towards uh, her Kingdom Hearts style. Yeah, um, music but, slaps. Um, I'll tell you that. But yeah, uh, Super Mario RPG is like it's it's really not Final Fantasy of the year. It's an excellent game, but it's not really that category. And Final Fantasy fourteen is the Final Fantasy of twenty thirteen. It is currently twenty twenty three. Okay, so that's one vote for Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, and also you did what I probably should have done originally, which is go over every single one of these games. Uh, Techno, what is your vote for Final Fantasy of the Year? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start by saying I am a horrible Final Fantasy fan. I have played Agreed. none of these. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so in my defense, basically, uh, this was the year where I bought a house, and this was the year where a lot of stuff was going on related to that. Um, so I just didn't have the money or time left over for really any new games at all. But now that I've finished most of my house projects, I will probably start buying things that aren't just Aston Villa merch. So I definitely, you've sold me on out Octopath Traveler too, because I'd already heard amazing things about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everything I've heard about Octopath Traveler 2 sounds like a huge step up from the first which i already enjoyed the first but i do have the same take that blue highwind has which is that i found that as it was getting going along i was it was getting quite repetitive it was oh, getting that is incredibly true and like the cohesive material is just not there like in octopath one i haven't even started on anyone's chapter twos because it's just I got like, to chapter getting, three. Getting around that that starting ring, picking up all the party members, that alone takes a lot out of you. I did three yeah, like, laps of that game. I got up to like two I, level fours, and then I could not do anymore. I got I got I got up to level three, so I got in the in the middle of all of you. Like I said, the only one I was interested in was the dancer lady because I thought her story was really dark and quite. Like, they did something quite daring with that story, and then it just became a generic revenge plot. And, you know, like, for example, like, there's the Gladiator character, which, how many stories are we gonna have in video games where there's the Gladiator, where you go in and the arena's like, oh, the crowd boos you and think you suck, and then the next level, no, the crowd is now on your side, 
no, the crowd is really rooting for you. Like, how many times are we going to see that? It's so boring. Um, yeah, it's uh, so I I wasn't like I enjoyed the gameplay of Octopath One, but I got stuck with it. Octopath Two sounds like I would really enjoy it this time, which I wasn't expecting because you know in a lot of these games that call back to earlier final fantasies like bravely default for example it felt like the sequels got weaker whereas this feels like that hasn't happened so they ran out of ideas with bravely default is the problem they had one great idea for a video game and then it turns out that was kind of their limit like personally i thought bravely second was pretty cool although default 2 is just boring it's the exact Um, same mm -hmm. default 2 is the exact same game oh wait which one, mm-hmm. Wait, which one's Bravely Second and which one's Default 2? <laughs> second, is, second is the direct sequel. Default 2 is the uh, is the one on the Switch that isn't a direct sequel. Okay, so the, the second 3DS game was the exact same game second. again and was kind of boring. Yeah, but yeah. like at least some of those classes were interesting ideas and stuff. And and, and moving and Default 2 moving uh, the battle system to, to like 10s was a horrible idea especially as you can't see whose turn is up next first bravely default though fantastic game it was the final fantasy of its year the best final fantasy mm. of its year it should be on the final Ooh. fantasy wiki some would say not no comment okay. so the next one uh the next one uh super mario rpg um i everything i've heard about this game sounds to me like i would really enjoy it I loved Final Fantasy 4. I love Final Fantasy 5. I love Final Fantasy 6. Mario RPG is sounds like a game I've been missing out on. Again, I just didn't get video games this year and I've been disappointed with my Nintendo Switch unfortunately. I have not played that many new games on it. Um, but that that is a game that I don't think I'd like it as much as Octopath 2 but I do think I would get a lot out of visiting that game. Ever Crisis is the only one I've played. It was garbage. So sorry. Right. So it's yeah. your Final Fantasy of the Year. Final Fantasy VII. No, it is. <laughs> I, can't, I can't call it that. Uh, I can't call it that, and I have played it. Ever Crisis, it was so, like, you know, we kind of knew going into it that it was just going to be a gotcha game. And any promises of it being the way to rediscover the old Final Fantasy games, the old Final Fantasy VII series, and get caught up on the plot. I don't I don't give a shit. If I have to sit through that battle system, I'm not going to enjoy it. And look, there are people out there who really, like, they're a sucker for gotcha games. And, you know, I enjoyed the Dissidia Opera Omnia when that was a thing. I enjoyed the Dissidia gotcha game. I never spent any money on it, and I still got a lot out of it. Worthwhile. Understand that Ever Crisis is greedy as all hell. Jesus. I was going to get to that too, <sighs> but um, yes, like uh, Dissidia had its run, and then it has finished its run, and uh, Ever Crisis does does not feel like it's going to get to that level. Um, it's just like I, I was so upset with Ever Crisis. You know, the fact that basically you go through the story of Final Fantasy VII original. And it's the same thing with a new translation. That part sounds good. But then it's just a boring version of the same thing. 
where like every scene ends with oh no shinra troopers are attacking like you get to fucking wall market and there's you don't even fight hell house you just fight generic shinra troopers it's so disappointing man um so ever crisis i'm i'm really upset with it i know its own story is actually decent that's just not worth it for me it's not worth it for me sitting through the rest of that shit um yeah the next one up is final fantasy 16 which uh i i've talked about about it it. yeah plenty at this point so i don't i don't really need to say any more on it um theater rhythm final bar line um did you play the demo uh, for this at least i did not play the demo um i've never really been into rhythm games to be honest like uh i've got nothing against them i've just never seen like uh, I've I, I don't know like I I associate it too much with Guitar Hero and Rock Band and I did really enjoy those and they just never uh, no rhythm game is gonna live up to those for me so um, rhythm games just aren't really my thing I've heard people who really really love them and I get why they love them because Final Fantasy music is really good but it's it's not for me personally. So both Theater Rhythm and Final Fantasy 16 are games where I just have to say not for me, so I can't judge them. So I they cannot be my Final Fantasy of the year. So and Ever wow. Crisis can't be my Final At Fantasy. At this point, you've disqualified everything except 14. Yeah, is 14 your Final Fantasy of the year? 14 is my Final Fantasy of the Whoa! year. Whoa! Like, uh, what a twist! Default, it, win- <laughs> it wins. It wins by default. You know, I can't, I can't judge the games. I can't judge, which is either that they're not for me, and so I won't be able to judge them fairly, or I haven't played them and thus cannot judge them fairly. Okay. In and fairness, Ever Crisis, Ever Crisis cannot be my Final Fantasy of the Year on account of it just being so bad. In fairness, like, I, I, I came just, up I with these six, so it's not like no one else could have nominated something else. Like if, it's not, if there's something that oh, slipped no, my well, mind, what else came out? Like, uh, what else came out that uh, was could, a Final Fantasy esque game? You could just say Spider Man Two is your Final Fantasy of the Year. <laughs> Spider Man Two is my Final Fantasy of the Year. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah, there you go. Spider Man Two is your Final Fantasy of the Year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So that leaves me, and uh, I'm gonna go wrap this up quickly because we're at past the two hour mark, which is distressing. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we've gone. We gone, We went long <laughs> tonight. Cool, so. I think I've already talked about all these games one way or the other. I have not played Octopath Traveler 2. I did not play Final Fantasy 14 except for that one time at E3. I have not played Ever Crisis. I played Final Fantasy 16 to completion, and, you know, my opinions are well known at that. So that leaves Super Mario RPG Remake, which, twist ending, I did not play that either. Because oh. I played Super Mario RPG Original on my SNES Classic. And you know what? That was... Mm. A- Damn great time. I, I loved playing that game. Mario is a little RPG guy. The The game is just endlessly inventive in terms of how it makes RPG dungeons, which could get repetitive and boring, different and creative and fun. There's an amazing wedding sequence where Bowser kissed Mario. There's a running gag <laughs> where every single time you meet an NPC, they're like, wait, you're not the Mario, are you? And then the game makes you hit the jump button so that Mario jumps up. And they're like, oh my god, it's Mario! He's the guy that jumps! (laughs) It's just... 
Uh, there's a running gag where Mario can't talk in this game for whatever reason, because Nintendo is weirdly ambivalent on Mario talking. So instead of him actually explaining what happens, he like pantomimes everything. So he moves super fast and turns into characters. Uh, Gino is, you know, everyone who talked about Gino and Smash, I understand you now. I get you. I understand why people love Gino. He's he's basically RPG Gandalf. And um, once upon a time, I believe there was a Super Mario RPG page on our wiki, and I demanded that it get deleted. We still have it. Okay. We No, we have a new version of it. Okay. The original what version happened? was deleted. I think we should have kept the old version. I, you know what? This is enough of a Final Fantasy for me. Even though Culex is just a reference to Final Fantasy, I am a Final Fantasy maximalist. If it's enough of an RPG that it feels like a Square project... And Square, back in the Super Nintendo era, they were just killing it. They're amazing games. I love that year after year I get to discover more of these amazing games that I missed all this time. Like last year, I got to play Live Alive. Live Alive is fantastic. Live Alive is an amazing game. Absolutely. Yeah, Live Alive rules. How the hell did we all miss out on Live Alive all this time? And now Super Mario RPG, I can add that to the list. So there you go. That's my Final Fantasy of the Year. I don't care if it's not a Final Fantasy. It's a Final Fantasy to me. Because the actual Final Fantasy of the Year, let's be honest, in terms of cultural impact and how much it matters and strength of fan base, fan reaction, um, everything else, it, it's Final Fantasy XIV. It's yep. case Final Fantasy XIV. Sixteen, yeah. unfortunately, as me winning my bet, it did not hit the way I thought it was going to. Uh, the fan reaction. Yeah. Fourteen gets an fourteen gets an expansion uh, next year, so it'll be uh, so it will be uh, Final Fantasy uh, of the Year next year. <laughs> yes, yeah. it will be allowed to be Final Fantasy of the Year next year if it manages to overcome Rebirth. But um, Final yes. Fantasy of the Year um, this year and every year. Yeah, I will say that like um, you know, definitely fourteen is the Final Fantasy right now, and uh, seven Rebirth. You know, 7 Remake did make a lot of waves. I don't know to what extent it broke out of the... the. I, I don't know to what extent it broke out for people who weren't previously disclosed to Final Fantasy 7, the original. I do know that there's... You know, I have come across some YouTubers who've said they were converted by it. And, you know, there's there's at least... It had at least some impact. But I will say more so than 15 or 13... Or right, fifteen um, sold extremely well. It sold fairness. extremely well, and then it was forgotten about. Right, but we're so, kind whereas... of we're killing it. Did a pretty bad, bad hit to its reputation. Basically, it getting. Yep. You know what? Actually, uh, there's a podcast I'm listening to right now about Final Fantasy 15. This is abnormal mapping. Uh, they made the joke that the game was canceled before it came out, and it was canceled after it came out. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, it's a sad, difficult story with that game. But it sold extremely well. The people that like that game, they love that game. And there is is a contingent of people that love Final Fantasy XVI. There's people who love Jill. I have no idea why. Oh, yeah. So so with XVI, what I was about to say was, um, outside of that contingent, of course, like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with the DLC. And we did earlier in the podcast mention Cyberpunk 2077. That had its redemption arc. So to the extent 16 needs a quote-unquote redemption arc, 
it still has, you know, it still has a chance to like break through, but you know, yeah, I, like, I, I like, think like Cyberpunk, they just need Studio Trigger to bail them out. Yeah, exactly. They need yeah. a Netflix anime. That was just what I was gonna say. And they need, uh, <laughs> they need my favorite song of 2022, which was uh, the uh, song that played in that anime. I really want to stay at your house. I love that friggin' song. I've listened to it like ten thousand times. Uh, yeah. Um. So with yeah, with regard to Final Fantasy, with regard to Final Fantasy sixteen. We'll see what happens with it, but I do think that we have a very... I'm very optimistic about 2024 um, because Aston Villa are going to win the title. Nah, just kidding. Um, that's not going to happen. Uh, no, I'm ex- ex- optimistic because, you know... Aston Villa, that's, got... a, that's a racing car team, right? Aston Martin oh. is a race team because Aston oh. Martin is a car. Uh-huh. But Aston in Birmingham also has a football team called Aston Villa FC. Um, yeah, so okay. F- Final Techno. Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth is going to be so big, is, and I'm so excited for it. Right, and um, I think this is going to be the biggest and the best game of the trilogy, most likely. Well, maybe not biggest. Like uh, I think it's going to be the best, but I think it's going to have a big. I think it's going to sell really well. I think, it I think it's going to have a huge impact. I think that one might actually... I think this game might actually sell 10 million copies. I won't bet on it, though. I'm not a fool, but... I mean, I'm not going to bet on original, it yet. The original release probably won't, but PC has potential, and I'm pretty sure both Sony and Square have realized that because uh, the PS5 exclusivity is only, like, three months. Okay. Yeah. So de- definitely seven rebirth is going to be enormous. I'm so excited for it. So I think um, regardless of what we thought of 2023, there's so many exciting things ahead of us as final fantasy fans. And, you know, we just need to look forward to 17 because, you know, there's going to be a re- like, there's going to be something interesting that they do with it and we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I have I have faith at this point. I don't know. That's weird for me to say, considering I didn't play sixteen, but I do have faith, and I really think that, you know, we have a lot to be optimistic about. Okay, I'm gonna tell Square Next. Put me on the case. I got you for seventeen. I know exactly what we got to do. I won't. I'm not saying it on this podcast. I'm saving it for when Square Next hires me. I know exactly what we have to do. I know exactly how to make that game. We're going to sell 100 million copies. We got this. I know exactly the story I know how to tell. make that game. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it'll, be oh, know it'll be easy. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. Yeah. All you have to do is uh, have bears that you can sleep with. Got it. Oh, crap. I said that out loud. Damn. Oh, I give, gave it away. Gave it away for free. I can't believe myself. All right, so we're going to end well, it here because well, we're... If seven, seven Rebirth, uh, if seven Rebirth lets us take the dates to uh, another level, like maybe we can get our wish with Barrett. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. <sighs> Datable Red 13. There you go. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. So, okay. we're at over 130 minutes, so I am wrapping up there. I, I'm sure we all have tons more we can talk about about Final Fantasy, but I need to stop this now. Uh, so, this was the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast. We are a monthly podcast about Final Fantasy stuff, and we run a wiki about it, but we don't really talk about that on the podcast, to be honest. Uh, I'm your host, Blue Highland. I also produce this podcast, and I do my best to edit out all the random noises you hear, but 
Actually, I don't do my best. I do a terrible damn job, but it's good enough, I think, for this. Our podcast music is La Montana de los Jovenes Caballeros by Expert Novice off the OC Ruin Balance and Ruin... I think I said that wrong. Balance and Ruin... OC Remix Balance and Ruin. Thank you. I don't actually have the thing ahead of me because all my files were on the old computer and I haven't transferred off the old uh, hard drive yet. So, Anyway, that's all fine. I'm going to go sleep. And then the music That was actually playing. a really good fucking take. That oh, was a you. really good thank take. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. And then the music plays. Come on, you join in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.